Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland managed to take one step forward and two steps back. A 3-0 away win at AFC Wimbledon was paired with pretty much an unacceptable 2-1 defeat at home to Plymouth last night on Tuesday. That result means Sunland haven't won at home since October the 3rd, so Shrewsbury Town must be licking their lips at the prospect of coming to the stadium light this Saturday. And to discuss Saturday's game, making his second appearance of the season, is Ollie from Shrewsbury Town's best podcast, The Salopcast. Ollie, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, yeah it's good to, good to speak to you again so yeah. soon. <laughs> it feels like we never really left. I think uh, I think it was only yeah. a few weeks ago since we since we discussed what actually went on. But um, as it was, the, the game was cancelled as we kind of felt like it might have been, but we, we covered anyway. But could I have timed it any better than putting it out on the minute that our game actually got called off? I don't think I could have, could I? No, no, you couldn't. You literally, I remember seeing um, yeah notifications when you tagged me in it. And then at the same time in my same feed, people say, look, the game's off, which was, which was yeah, which was, I'm sure I saw a few Sunderland fans I'm smiling at your. Yeah, they they um they had a bit of a laugh at my expense, I think, that day. But fair play to them. I think I would have had yeah. a laugh myself as well, to exactly. be completely honest. So, um, it's one of those things. It is, it is. Um, so typically, you know, I put it out literally the minute that the preview process came out, the minute the, the game got called off, the same minute. Um, it was called off at the time. I was three, uh, four games as it was, sorry, were called off due to a COVID-19 outbreak at the Stadium of Light. I think 14 players and some staff. Thankfully, Lyndon Gucci side, they've all recovered. Um, unfortunately, the same happened at Shoresby, I think literally days later, and it was confirmed that, you know, the manager, Steve Cottrell, had been in intensive care this week. Everyone at Sunderland wishes him well, as someone obviously who's been at the club as well, um, would believe that he, he is kind of recovering um, at the moment. He's in, in good space. But how much did the news put football for a Shrewsbury fan into perspective? Yeah, it was crazy. So um, after our game was cancelled, the Shrewsbury Sunderland game was cancelled. Um, yeah, we only played Doncaster. And then it's a bit murky there, but effectively into the new year in January, then then, then the news started coming. I mean, I, so in effect, we'd had a COVID outbreak um, and a big one at that. Um, so we believe we got it, picked it up from another team. Um, and interestingly, um, I'm told that we actually got audited at the start of Jan or maybe the end of December on our protocols. And we got, you know, 10 out of 10 for our marks. And yeah, it's, it's very easy for, you know, a bit of a keyboard warrior to go, obviously, Shrewsbury have done this and that. But yeah, it, it's COVID. It's an airborne virus. I mean, I think as I'm sure Sunderland were abiding by the rules as well. It's just... Yeah, it's just an absolute nightmare. So, yeah, we, we found out that uh, the squad got hit. Um, we had a couple of cases before, but it was isolated cases. Um, and then, yeah, basically um, a lot of players, so probably uh, certainly more than Sunderland, um, got COVID. Um, fortunately, I think most of the players were OK. Um, we haven't heard any impact or anything about long COVID or anything like that, which is which is great for the players. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, Steve Cottrell um, came down worse and he ended up going to intensive care. Um, and then he went back to hospital again over the weekend. Um, pleased to hear that um, he was able to watch the game um, on Tuesday night against Southampton from his hospital bed. And um, yeah, it's it's quite upsetting. And it's I had almost I put a tweet out as well saying that you know we're going to start talking about football again now. But that doesn't mean we're not thinking about the manager at the same time um, because yeah, it's all it puts it definitely puts it into perspective. Um, and I, I think I'm quite pleased to hear the way the club have handled it. You know. You know, always putting help of the players first and making sure we were ready to come back when we did. Just before we sort of do go on to the football and stuff like that, um, has there been, we've heard these years recovering, but um, from a, a Shrewsbury perspective, has there been any news on, you know, 
is he is he doing well? Is he expected to come out of hospital anytime soon, or is it going to be a few weeks that he might not be able to manage? Yeah, I'm not sure. We haven't been told any timings. I'm, I'm told he, you know, he, he sounds better. So both Aaron Wilhelm has said that, and and the CEO told me that he is getting feeling sounding better. Um, so when they tapped him up a little bit, uh, but yeah, he's he's certainly uh, not ready to come back yet. Um, it's going to be a huge, huge loss because yeah, he's such a big presence around the training ground um, yeah. for the players. Um, and yeah, I, I'm sure um, I'm sure that the staff will do well. But we're also missing our like goalkeeping coach. We're also missing our fitness coach and a few others. Um, so yeah, it really has hit us really hard. So is Aaron Wilbraham taking the team at the moment? Yeah, so Aaron Wilbraham is the assistant manager. Um, obviously, this is his first job um, as an assistant manager. He only retired. He played last season for Rochdale. Yeah. And then also we've got someone, um, a Scottish guy um, called Dave Longwell, who was our academy manager. Um, but since um, Steve Cottrell has come in, Dave has been a part of the first team squad. And um, we've been hearing really positive things about Dave's training and his attention to detail. Um, so I think I think the good thing is, is that Steve Cottrell's come in, he's got a really clear idea of how he wants to play. Aaron has played for the manager, so he really understands that philosophy. Um, so I think you know, because he's got such a clear philosophy about how he wants to play, um, we're able to continue that. Yeah. Um, and the players and the staff will continue to kind of carry on in the same trend. Um, and yeah, obviously we spoke um, on, obviously it must have been between like the 15th and 19th of yeah, December. And then we went on to beat Doncaster. We, had a, a, we drew with Wigan and then we beat Blackpool. So we've been on such, he got the manager of the month, you know, coming into a team in relegation zone to get manager of the month is quite remarkable. So hopefully we can pick a few more points um, while he's he's absent. Obviously, the, the news of Steve Cottrell was, I think, quite recent, um, certainly from a, a neutral perspective uh, of what had been going on with him. But there was a few weeks beforehand, you know, before the, the confirmation of the, the fact it was quite bad, the bout of the virus that he'd had. Um, you were putting together a great run, as you've just attested to. Uh, Saturday's game at the Stadium of Light, though, was your first league game, I think, since the 29th of December. How have you found, as a fan, yeah. not having games? Obviously, we've had it, and I'll be honest, I quite liked it. I liked having the break and the not ruining of Christmas, but not everyone's a Sunday fan. So did you feel the same, or did you want the game to come thick and fast? Um, I think for the first two weekends or so, it was quite nice just to have a bit of a bit of um, quality time as such. Um, but then at the same time, we're not really going anywhere at the weekend. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. Um, so yeah, at first, like the first weekend was nice. Obviously, we do a podcast every week, sometimes twice a week if, if the manager gets sacked or something really big happens. So we're doing a podcast today um, because it's been such a long time. But yeah, we haven't played for 21 days. And we haven't done a podcast for 21 days as well. So yeah, it's been quite a big gap. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to the football being back, which is great. And as you say, yeah, we played... Um, last night against um, Southampton in the FA Cup, which in some ways actually quite a few fans have said this, in some ways is quite a good game to come back to um, because, you know, playing Southampton who are a team doing really well in, in the Premier League um, is probably in some ways a good test to come back and get some the cobwebs away um, without its impact in the league form because while we have moved up the league table um, I wouldn't say we're out of the relegation fight yet. Yeah, I was looking at the, the league table last night and there's a few games in hand and stuff there, but yeah, absolutely not. Um, when it comes to the game yesterday, you know, you touch on it's probably a good game to return to because probably less pressure because you are playing a team that's doing really, really well in the Premier League uh, away from home. Your result in that game dependent on 
with a Saturday went ahead. Obviously, you did lose 2-0, so that meant that the game does go ahead on Saturday. But I looked through the Southampton team to see if, you know, they'd rested anyone. And there was, you know, one or two players that you don't normally hear of. But I think Benderek, Fraser Foster, Ward Prowse, Shane Long, Jack Stevens, they're all part of the squad. And it was only a 2-0 defeat, which is, I mean, a defeat to defeat. But when you play a Premier League team, we know how wrong that can sometimes go when you're side in our division. So how was the performance, considering? Yeah, just on the on the Southampton team, um, they've got a kid called um, Okins who played left yeah. back. He's a player to keep your eye on. He's a really really good player, and the player called Watts as well, who is playing on the, you know, the Southampton play a very narrow four four two more of a four two two two. And Watts was a really good player. So there's a good some good youngsters coming through. But yeah, you're right. There's a kind of core to the team there. Um, and yeah, I, was, I, I kind of threw obviously the game being cancelled, and then obviously the. the the discussion about whether the game was going to go ahead or not. I kind of had a bit of a football friend with a Southampton podcast. And um, yeah, that he was very complimentary about how Shrewsbury played. Um, so was um, you know, the reporters on BBC and also Sky Sports, sorry, BT Sport as well. Um, so yeah, we, we put a very resolute performance. And one of the things that um, is very, I think it was worth noting that we, one of the biggest things that Steve Cottrell implemented is our organisational shape. We are so well organised. We are really, really hard um, to break down. And that's probably the biggest thing that we're basically playing counter-attack in Leicester-style football. Um, and that's what's getting us the wins. Um, and that showed again, even though we looked a bit rusty, but also I think it's worth noting that obviously the Southampton players are going to be a bit faster than the average League One player. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely came through the test. And yeah, I thought we put in a good performance. Passing-wise wasn't great. We weren't very good in transition. We were a bit loose keeping the ball. But defensively, we were really solid, which um, gives us some, some confidence going forward. And you've touched on the, the Southampton team there as well, and probably doing the, the young lads a disservice. I think Southampton have probably one of the best academies producing players on a consistent basis in the country. I mean, Ward Prowse being one of them has gone on to play for England. Uh, Voskins, I think you touched on before as well, and there was also the, the boy up front, I think it's uh, Dirt and Dudu who scored. Yeah, um, yeah, he's quite a handful. So there's a bunch of players there that could probably quite easily handle themselves in League One and possibly above if they came on loan. So, yeah, yeah definitely, no, definitely a, a defeat, but a good defeat in the circumstances. Yeah, a good defeat, <laughs> bit, of, bit, of, bit of coin in the bank. Um, I think yeah. it's worth just saying, like, I think it was great that Southampton supported us to get the, the decision to play the game. You know, um, obviously, Sunderland's a bit different because, yeah, if someone would have, if the Premier League would have screwed over Sunderland, there'd have been quite a lot of noise. But clubs like Shrewsbury, like Berry have in the past, Berry got kicked out of the FA Cup a couple of times and, you know, we sort of late Norrient and other smaller teams because we're not very noisy and, you know, people don't care so much. We were quite convinced that we were going to get kicked out. So fair play to them and Leeds as well, to be fair. But I think Leeds did it probably because they were happy to have a bit of a break and get some players back. So it works well. So, yeah, we've got a few a few, a few pounds in the bank um, and a, yeah, a stretch of the legs. And, yeah, hopefully also a bit of a, a day out for the players as well, go to a new ground and play a Premier League ground as well. The only thing that knocks on them that was Mansfield in round one, unfortunately. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing we get kicked out by. Um, it's difficult to discuss current form because of how long it's been since you've played, but we'll go back to the games that you did play. I think prior to the COVID-19 break, you were unbeaten in, I think, eight games, sitting currently in 17th with a few games in hand on the teams around you. Steve Cottrell took over when you were 23rd. We touched on it a little bit in the last podcast about how he changed things, and you've already touched on it a little bit. But how has he actually gone about changing the fortunes of the side so fast and so quick? Because that form's continued on since we last spoke. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like we were top of the form table at one point, um, where we yeah we'd in the last six games and last five games, sorry, we we'd won four and drawn one. 
um, and against the top three teams as well, which is quite impressive. So, yeah, I'm sure, uh, well, one, definitely we ruined a few accumulators. And um, I'm sure, you know, the fans of, of Sunderland, Portsmouth um, and Peterborough were probably quite pleased that they saw that we were taking points off off the, the top few teams, Hull, Lincoln um, and Doncaster. Um, so, yeah, what did he do? So I think, first of all, he's that kind of cliche kind of just gave the players a bit of confidence, um, I think, in terms of training. Um, so I think his man management, he's definitely a championship level manager, which for me will have an impact. And I think that's what you're probably hoping with your appointment as well. You've got a championship level manager, obviously raised player of your, your current squad and your first team. So he's definitely done, I think, a bit of man management, a bit of, bit of, bit of magic dust, I think, in terms of his presence. Um, solidity and having a, a real clear shape. So under Sam Ricketts, we were, sometimes we were 3-4-3, three, three, sometimes we were 3-5-2, sometimes we were 5 um, and then we also started the season playing four at the back. So I think he's also been quite clear in terms of having quite a clear shape. Um, and then I think it's also, then it comes down to kind of two things. One is organisation and preparation on the training ground. Um, but I think the big difference that we see with Steve Cottrell is his preparation and his attention to detail in the game live. So he makes changes live, um, which I think is really good. Um, and also um, he the preparation that he does. So when we played, um, I think we mentioned it actually when we were talking before, when we played Hull, um, we absolutely nullified them. And we did the same against Lincoln as well. Um, and it's interestingly that the Southampton manager picked on it as well, something that he calls automation. So basically almost like the, the robotic nature of the team reacting to certain situations that were really, really well drilled. So he's really drilled the team, got back to some basics. And then got the defenders just doing some real basic things. So, for example, um, against uh, against I think it was against Wigan, we scored from a rebound from a pe from a penalty, which we didn't score the penalty and we scored the rebound. Now, during the season, we conceded penalties and no one ran in, or, and we were also really bad at clearing the box. And he'd gone back to basics. So, for example, when we had that penalty, we didn't score. Players run in and Odo scored. And it's just those, that's a little example of little details he gets into making sure the defenders are standing position correct. So he's done loads and loads of little things, which has had a, a big impact overall. You probably have more experience than, than me of that, but I'm starting to pick up being in like two and a half seasons deep in League One, what it kind of probably takes to, to get out of this league. Um, at risk of making it sound like Cottrell hasn't done that much, but at the same time, looking at the league as a whole, do you think that to perform well in this league, it's just keeping the basics well, you know, defending well, being organised, doing your job and having someone that can score goals up front? Do you think ultimately that is something that would get you out of this league? And do you think that's maybe why Sunderland have struggled? Because we've had three different managers, three kind of different styles? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so when we finished third, we had a physio called um, Chris Skip, who's actually just gone to Burnley. And um, he was chatting on, on private message to my, my mate, um, Glenn, who does the podcast with me. And um, Chris Skip described this league as a running league. Run, 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 run. You just have to run. Obviously, um, I don't know if you saw the interview with Madison last night where he talked about running as well. So I think it's obviously it's important at all levels, but League One particularly. I think you've got a team, a bunch of players um, that is really well organised and is fit, really fit and can run all day. I think they're the key ingredients to get promoted out of this league. Um, and then you add on top of that a bit of quality. Um, yeah, when, when we finished third, Wigan and, and Blackburn were good, solid football side, but also really athletic as well. 
Um, and as you know, there's not a lot of difference in quality throughout this division. Um, even teams like Pompey and Ipswich and yourselves, I mean, I don't look particularly special. Uh, maybe Hull's probably the only one that probably looks a little bit better than everyone else. And then Lincoln as well, maybe. But but still, it's not it's not huge gains, is it? They're not, you know, you don't expect someone to run away with this league by 20 points or something, which um, which could happen if, you know, if we had a really good side. So, yeah, for me, I think it's about that, that organisation and that running. Um, and, having, and I wouldn't even say you need a necessarily need a, a massive out-and-out goal scorer. Um, Pompey, uh, sorry, Peterborough had one, didn't they, with Ivan Tony, and they didn't go up. I think it's just about sometimes grinding out those results. Um, you know, one nil rather than your one alls that you've been quite famous for, <laughs> um, and yeah, just winning by the odd goal. But yeah, I think that's a bit of that organisation and, and that, that that running ability is key. Talking about um, goal scorers, we, we touched on it a little bit uh, in the last podcast, but I always like to get an update on him because I'll openly admit I, I really love him. Uh, Jason Cummins, um, I noticed that he hasn't really changed since we last spoke, which to be fair is only a few weeks, Jason, but um, does he look like he could potentially replace, I think because you've got Udo and, and uh, Whaley up front at the moment, can he sneak in or is he even further out of the picture now? Yeah, you might notice I'm smiling. It's because um, I, yeah. I had a bit of um, uh, comments from his dad last night on Twitter. Oh, juicy, exclusive. Come on, fire on, tell me more. <laughs> so um, so basically, um, there's a bit of a running joke with Shooter Town fans, and someone did a perfect tweet a few weeks ago. said that when Jason Cummings leaves, we're going to thank him for trying to get fit for 18 months. Um and I made a joke last night that, oh, he came on on the 83rd minute. So I said, it's good to see Jason's now fit to play seven minutes, which his dad didn't quite like. Um, Jason Cummings did fantastic at Hibs. Yep. Scored a few goals for Rangers, scored a few goals in Europe for Rangers. Yep. Scored four in three. Forrest, Luton, Shrewsbury. All of there's a trend there. One, he's going lower down the pecking order. Um, and two, he's, he's not playing. So he played out of position, albeit at the start of the season. Um, he had one game where he didn't make one forward pass. Um, and he just doesn't look on it. I don't know whether it's a mental thing, uh, whether he's just not fit enough, I don't know. But I think it says it all that when we've got a winger playing up front and a striker who doesn't score many goals and has played and we signed from Telford, which is three or four levels below us. Yeah are ahead of him. And then Pike, who we signed from, I can't remember, Barnsley or someone like that in the summer, has been injured all season, um, came on before him. Now, he's a target man, but still. Um, for me, Jason Cummings, um, obviously I'd love him to score goals because why? who wouldn't want a striker scoring goals? But the kind of sentiment in the fan base is just get rid of him because he just doesn't do anything. He's, he's played in the um, EFL trophy and he looked lost. He came off the bench in the FA Cup against Oxford City and looked desperate to score so much so that he kind of fluffed his, his lines and he could have set someone up for a goal. Um, and he's just, it's just quite sad, really. He's just hasn't done very well at all. Um, and obviously, I don't know the reasons behind that, but it's now, it's, I think it's always interesting when you have a player who people perceive or think they have potential and should play at a higher level, potentially, yeah. or you know, has goals in them. But Sam Ricketts didn't play him. And now Steve Cottrell isn't playing him. Um, and we're now playing with two strikers as well. So I think that's not a very good um, reflection on, on where he is at the moment. Um, obviously, you know, I never, ever write a player off. 
there's absolutely no reason why you know he still isn't a talent um and maybe in the right side in the right environment maybe he could he kind of perform but in terms of environments i'm not sure you're going to get too much better than shrewsbury you know it's a town of eighty thousand people um you know most people will leave you alone in shrewsbury um and you know it's, it's a great place to kind of you know kick start your career or if you're a young kid kind of just focus on your football um so there's no real excuses really um i haven't heard of any injuries um it's just it's a bit of a nod one to be honest i'd love to have a chat with the manager to find out exactly what's going on but the fans are a bit a bit confused so as we always do you kind of make assumptions don't you of course yeah that's that's all we can do as fans and sometimes we're wrong sometimes we're right but nine times out of ten yeah. the proof is in the pudding on the pitch isn't it um yeah. on to more sort of positive things because there's plenty of positives around Troy's bit at the moment unfortunately for us playing news on Saturday um under Cockwell, it kind of feels, and we discussed this a little bit last time, but like you're starting to show the potential that Shrewsbury have got. Now, what I mean by that is it feels like Shrewsbury are, on paper, one of the better sides in the league in terms of the names that you've got there, in terms of sort of recent history. But since that playoff defeat, since obviously Paul Hurst lost, it did uh, left, sorry, it feels a little bit like you've sort of bobbed around the, the bottom half to the middle. And under Cockrell, it seems that you started showing that potential that I think as fans you probably always knew that you had um would that be fair to say yeah we're, we're a funny squad um so in terms of our defense and goalkeeper we've got really good quality players for this level I mean I think in midfield um as you touched on we've got Vela uh, who got promoted with, with Bolton in league one and Ollie Norburn who's a player that opposition managers always seem to, to call out as a quality player um, our own fans don't always seem to rate him which is maybe a bit harsh but he's been playing really well at the moment um and we did have two pretty solid wing-backs as well, but we've lost Charlie Daniels. His contract has ended now. We had him on a short-term contract. And also we had a guy called Matt Miller, who I was quite critical of because his passing and crossing and his output was quite poor, but he was really solid. Um, he was really athletic. Um, so for his defensive side, he did a good job kind of, you know, positionally. Um, but in terms of offence, he kind of lost that quality. But Charlie Daniels, I think, is a big loss. So we've got a really weird squad in terms that, yeah, some areas of the squad were really strong. But right now, today, um, we're really weak in wing-back positions. And to be honest, I'm not really that um, overawed with our strikers either. Um, so I think defensively was fine. Um, and I think, you know, we could... I'd have some confidence going into a game that we're going to, you know, maybe score, leave, concede one or, or better still have a clean sheet. And I'm not as worried as we used to be in the last 10 minutes of the game that we can hold out. Um, our problem now is going to be scoring goals um, in terms of having those creative players. Um, but hopefully we have signed Chapman um, from on loan from Blackburn Rovers, who's a number 10. Um, so hopefully he can be something fun for us to kind of hang a hat on. You talked about um, Charlie Daniels. That will be a player that you know people listening will know. It is one of those names that is on the team sheet, but I've seen that he did go. His contract has come to an end. But I think last time I checked, Portsmouth were in the, the race to get him in. With all due respect to Shrewsbury, Portsmouth are probably more likely to get out of this division than Shrewsbury are this season. Um, so is there a particular reason that Shrewsbury didn't hang on to him or was it more his own personal choice that he wanted to leave? Um, I think it's probably, I think it comes down to simply, as you know, you guys know this, given your location, I think it just comes down to logistics. Yeah. So he's, I imagine he lives in Bournemouth mm -hmm. um, or in the area um, and then Pompey, um, obviously just down the road, um, apparently are going to offer him a contract. Um, so Pompey are obviously um, a side that are doing better than us this season and it's closer to home and he's not going to spend 
hours and hours on the M5, and then God knows how he drives across the M5 to Shrewsbury. It must be a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a mission on some A roads. So yeah, um, it's not too surprising. I think you know I'm not going to moan about it too much. We have got him fit, which is a bit a bit, a bit of a disappointment from our side. Um, but at the same time, he did score a few goals, create a few assists, um, and put in a good shift while he was here. So yeah, he'll go. He'll have a while. It was only a short stint. Um, most fans, will, I'm sure, will be quite um, positive about his time at the club. When we're talking about um, fullbacks, I think you probably knew I was going to come onto this, and I completely forgot to ask on the last one. Uh, fullbacks, there's a particular lovely fullback, shall we say, that shows we have um, Donald Love, which many people will remember. Kind of a, I feel bad saying this about any person, but he was a bit of a joke at something. He became a bit of a cult hero because he was so reminiscent of the downfall of Sunderland Football Club and what happened once he got signed was we basically fell through a trap door. But he, he went to Shrewsbury and actually, I think last time we spoke last season, um, I think yourselves and, and Glenn were saying he was doing quite well, he looked quite tidy and then Sam Ricketts completely dropped him. So I thought, I'll see how he's getting on this season because I haven't seen him for a while. And I've noticed he's played one game this season. So what's happened with Don Love? Yeah, so um, to quote Sam Ricketts, he fell out of favour. Mm-hmm. So he played at the start of the season um, and then we signed loads of right backs. So we signed Marlon Fossey from Fulham, Matt Miller from New York Jets in Australia. Um, and we also have Ryan Sears, who's um, a youth product, uh, who can play right back or centre back. Um, and literally just fell down the, down the pecking order. Um, he played in the FA Cup um, for us, I think, and then maybe a trophy game. But yeah, I think he played, I think he played maybe one game in the league early on. Um, yeah, Paul Donald Love, he's, he just, yeah, I think there's just players who are a bit better than him getting in the squad. Um, the fact that he didn't play um, last night and we played Roshan Williams, who's a centre-back, a right wing-back instead of him, and I think tells you everything. Um, I think the club would probably appreciate someone coming in to take him off us. Um, and maybe he needs to go down to League Two to rebuild his career. Um, because, yeah, he was OK. He started the season OK last year, um, was pretty solid as a right-back. Um, but as a right wing back, sorry, but he didn't offer enough going forward. And I think he's almost a bit of a victim of us playing wing backs now. Um, he's, you know, he's a solid player and he's, you know, works hard. Um, but for a wing back, you need a bit more productivity going forward. Um, and he doesn't matter. I don't think I've heard the manager say anything about him. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he moved on in the summer um, because I think getting rid of players in January is going to be quite a challenge. So, yeah, Paul Donald Love. Um, he's nowhere near the first team. So it's fair to say that the love affair is over then with uh, Don Love and Shrewsbury. Yeah, it's a shame, really, because, you know, you always want players to succeed, don't you? You never want yeah. them to fail. Um, and, you know, he seems like a good lad. Um, but, yeah, it um, hasn't really worked out for him as probably as, as well as he hoped. Talking of sort of players that I have always been impressed with at Shrewsbury, the one that really sticks out for me is probably Aaron Pierre. Um, we didn't discuss him on the last podcast, but I think, you know, naturally, I think he's, he started off really, really well at, at Shrewsbury and I think he's probably just kept at that consistent level and sometimes when a player's consistent, you almost forget that they're the most, the one to look out for, shall we say, because of how consistent they've been. Um, but it seems that uh, Simon Whaley's having a bit of a resurgence as well this season, but it's been a few weeks since he last played a league game, so it's difficult to say who's currently on form, but which players would you say Sunderland should be looking out for on, on Saturday? Yeah, Aaron Pierre, um, with all of our players, and especially the back three, um, really had saw a huge drop in form. Um, but it's good to see um, that Aaron Pierre is back in form. 
and he was an absolute man, man mountain last night and cleared the ball off the line a couple of times. Um, some really good headers, some really good tackles. Uh, yeah, he looks to, he looks fitter and he looks he looks in better shape. I'm seeing um, Josh Vela was superb last night. He was Auburn and um, Vela play as two kind of number sixes um, in front of the back three. Um, and they both work really, really well together. If one of them pushes on, one of them will always sit. Um, so, yeah, Vela, I'd say the triangle of Pierre, Vela, um, Norburn um, are the players to look out for. And then at the top of the pitch, um, Sean Worley, who's played most of his career as a right winger, um, is our top goal scorer. And, um, you know, often we've lamented his finishing ability, but to be fair to him, he's taken some really nice chances this year. I mean, he's probably our biggest threat going forward at the moment. Um, Leon Clark came back from injury, didn't play last night. I'm not sure where he is. We're not we're not clear 100% on who's 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 where with COVID at the moment. Um, we're told one player is still isolating. But he was on the bench last night, so surely that can't have been him, actually. So, yeah, I was wrong there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's he's obviously a player that your, your fans will know about. Yeah. I, I will always refer to Sean Wally as, as Simon Wally because I have this thing in my head where they're the same person. They're obviously very different. Um, I just always remember Simon's going for Preston to win us the league, basically, uh, when we beat... Luton 5-0 and that makes me feel a bit sad because that was in division above um, I touched on it at the beginning of the podcast in terms of Sunderland we haven't won at home in over three months um, while two years ago I mean even last year probably plenty of clubs would come to the stadium like be happy with a draw maybe sit behind the ball and it had an element of a, a fear factor we only lost once last season against Burton once the season beforehand which was against Coventry Um has the fear factor with Sunderland worn off on opposition fans because we've been that bad for that long and in this division for longer than most people expected? Like, do you come to the stadium like on Saturday rather than thinking I'd be happy with the draw saying, well, no, I would like a win, actually. Thank you very much. Yeah, I don't see a reason why we should be fearful of Sunderland at all. Um, I think that's probably true of every team in this division, as I said earlier. Um, yeah, there's some teams with big names and I put inverted commas next to that. Um, and you get a lot of arrogant fans, particularly like Pompey fans, seem to be particularly particularly interesting online. Um, fair to say, and I'm not just saying this, you know, I've said this to you loads of times, um, Sunderland fans seem a lot have a little bit of humility. I remember saying to a Pompey fan a few days ago, humility is free. Um, and yeah, it's, um, yeah, I don't think we'd be scared of anyone in this division at the moment. Um, no one is on a great run of form, apart from maybe whole pocket, pick up a few points now. So yeah, I think it's, Obviously, there's two sides to Sunderland. I think if you had all your fans there, that would probably change it a little bit. Um, but an empty stadium is an empty stadium now, whether it's you know a, a big stadium like your guys or a smaller stadium like ours. Um, it's you know it's a bit of a leveler, I think, not having fans there. Um, and I think as soon as the, I'm sure the the staff and the analysts will point out your home record is quite poor, I'm sure that will give us some confidence going into the game. Um, how many games have you played since you've been back? Have you played a lot or are you still trying to find your feet again? Northampton away, um, Wimbledon away. I think four. I think we've played four. Okay, I think so you're fully back now. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. For me, for me, it would be a big test for us um, how we can come back after playing Tuesday, after having 21 days off, having our own little winter break. Um, so it would be interesting to see how we perform. So I'd say... Ordinarily, I wouldn't be, I'd be, you know, have a bit of confidence, especially with our current form. But I think the fact that we've been off for such a long time and played on Tuesday um, probably makes you favourites, to be honest. Maybe this might be a good time for you to play us and kind of take that monkey off your back. 
Yeah, potentially. You would hope that the the club would and the team would look at it that way. Um, there's no right or wrong answer to this, I guess, with Sunderland fans. But it felt like a couple of years ago, like when we first came into the division. Um, like you say, you know, we're in League One for a reason, um, and we were in League One then for a reason. And I was looking to the side that we had when we first came down, and it kind of makes a grim reading because I would have said at the time it's probably the worst Sunderland side we've ever had. But the damn side better than what we've got, and you've got a younger Aidan McGeady, a younger Chris Maguire. And it felt like in the first season, the reason we picked up so many results or didn't lose as many is because teams would come and try and get the draw, which is where a lot of the 1-1s began, I think. But there's a lot of teams we just like put away. You were one of the teams that came that season and got a 1-1 draw. Uh, I think Josh Madger scored one of his last goals for us. Uh, it was around Christmas time, just after, I think. And I remember... It could have been yourself, it could have been Glenn, I could be wrong. We're quite happy with it, with the point. And I think a lot of clubs were like that. Um, I do think potentially because, and I, I don't think I'm pushing this too far. I think we're probably the biggest in terms of stature club in the league. Certainly not in terms of the team and the way we've been playing over the past few years, but in terms of stature. And I felt like when we came down, coming to the stadium, I almost felt like for some teams, probably not Shrewsbury, but some teams, it was like a bit of a cup final because of the size of the stadium. Because we've been here for that long, um, as you said before, you're looking for a win. You, you know, you're not coming for the draw. Have you felt gradually that the stature of Sunderland change since we've been in this division? Like, have we got? Are we a League One team? Basically, is that, I suppose what I'm getting at? Yeah, it's really, it's really funny. I was on a, I was listening to an Ipswich podcast at the start of the year, and one of them said, "We're not a League One team." Well, hopefully, they've realised by now that they are. Um, and I think what you said there is fair, is because pretty accurate. Yeah, you come down, and you normally come down, don't you, with a couple more championship players? Yeah, I mean, um, Honeyman was there, for example. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know Sunderland, by, for me, by far the biggest club in in the league. Um, we're miles bigger than Pompey, and you know, if you're an investor, you know, you you're you're much more interested in buying Sunderland for me than you would be buying Pompey or you would be buying Ipswich, um, because just because of the size of the club, the fan base, the infrastructure, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it just comes. I think there's almost two parts. It's for me. It's, I, you know, people talk about big clubs. For me, you know, you have big clubs, and big clubs for me need two things. Yeah, you do need the history and the legacy, but you also need a first eleven that is a big club team. And yeah, you've got also all the history and the infrastructure for being a big club. But your your um, your first team is is very average league one, and it does over time. Players talk, you know, analysts watch the games. And um, yeah, I think if you watched Sunderland play over the last few years and you kind of forgot and you didn't know who Sunderland were, if you were, I don't know, German or not even German, but, you know, some, some an alien come in and watch the teams, you wouldn't think Sunderland were any special. So, yeah, so I think probably your um, aura of coming down, being a big Premier League club um, has disappeared. And looking on the other extreme, Pompey went down to League Two, were there for like six years. Um, and I don't think anyone really fears playing Pompey because of that. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, as you guys know, the, the longer you stay here, the harder it's going to be to get out. It almost feels like that that fear factor that we might have had when we first came down is now flipped. We're now fear of playing sides like Plymouth and like Yeah, and I think and I think there must be a mental aspect to it, mustn't there? That, huh? you know, the first time you go there, let's be honest, you know, a lot of Shrewsbury fans will go, Yeah, let's go to Sunderland, let's go for a day out. It's a big city, you know, you can get the train, you go to a new stadium, it's a big, really nice new stadium. I mean not, not new, but you know what I mean, new for Shrewsbury yeah. in terms of ticking it off the list. I mean, you do that once, and it must happen for players as well. You go there once, and then you go there again. And it's like, okay, we're just we're playing Sunderland again this week. So I think that aura's gone. But to be honest, though, that could be that could be in your favour. 
not necessarily this year because I'm not sure you'll go up this year, but next year that could be in your favour because teams will be thinking, well, yeah, you know, seeing you a little bit more of a leap on side. Um, and particularly the players, you know, it'd be interesting to understand what the players would think on this because, you know, players talk a lot, don't they? Yeah. A lot of players talk amongst themselves. Um, and yeah, um, I heard from a opposition player um, against Ipswich that they were playing us uh, and after 30 minutes, they realised that we were really crap. And maybe that's happened to you. You know, after 10 minutes, 20 minutes into the game, the players amongst themselves and at half-time going, come on, lads, we can beat these. And yeah, I don't know whether you see a difference at half-time with opposition. Do they come out a bit more attacking? Or do you see much difference? The weird one at home, we've just, I mean, I think I kind of looked at it last night and, and looked at how many points we've had at home. And I think I, this has taken out the fact we got beat off Mansfield in the FA Cup, but... MK Dons, Plymouth, Burton, Wigan, AFC Wimbledon, Bristol Rovers, we've got three points from those games. And I think Bristol Rovers, Wimbledon, Wigan, Burton, Plymouth and MK Dons all got goals in the first half. So I think I think they probably clicked faster than after 20 minutes that were, were, pretty, <laughs> were pretty crap out there. Maybe, maybe I'm being harsh because we are mid-table, but I think they've kind of clicked that. We're not the Sunderland that maybe the name... That's the thing because I'm I, I know we're an average League One team and it makes me sound like I'm I'm not used to it. I kind of am, and I think I maybe structured the question originally slightly incorrectly. I think as in stature we're beginning to look League One, as I think we're maybe maybe what I meant, and it feels like we are just one of many with a bigger stadium. Yeah. and I think that's the thing as well. I think um, almost you're, you're there's a lot of teams in League One, um, and again I don't put your fan base in the same position as this, but. Yeah, you've got Pompey, arrogant Pompey fans, arrogant Ipswich fans. Uh, and then you've got, obviously, Charlton a bit different. Um, and then, obviously, Hull's a bit different as well. Um, but you've got quite a few big teams. So I think maybe if you were the only one, uh, maybe a bit different. But, yeah, there's quite a few, I'd call them failed championship clubs um, that are, are in League One um, and don't like it. But, yeah, it's it's quite funny, to be honest, seeing some of the, the replies and comments from some of the clubs in League One. Uh, hopefully those fans realise they are a League One team now for, for a reason. Yeah, I think we've just got to the point where we're so sad we just accept it. I don't think we can fight it anymore. It just gets yeah, depressing. Yeah, so hopefully your future is going to be a bit more positive. <sighs> I, nothing, <laughs> nothing ever works out with Sunderland. No, I said that I, last I night. Imagine, I can imagine you're in the position now where you need to kind of see it before you believe it now. You've had quite a few false dawns. Yeah, I said that. I said that in, in in bed to my girlfriend last night that the pillow talks changed ever so slightly and changed into why is it always us? Why we just never? <laughs> why can we not beat Plymouth at home? And it's no offense to Plymouth, that's where we're at. Like, no. but it is what it is. But I think I ask those questions on a regular basis, and it's worrying me the more that I ask it. Um, and I probably asked it in the wrong order, asking you, you know, about the the club and our stature and stuff. But I'm always curious as to who opposition fans view as Sunderland's danger men, and it's getting less and less. So maybe I'll change the question slightly. Um, where are shows we weak, and and who? Or, or how do you think that Sunderland could damage Shrewsbury on Saturday? Um, to be honest, my knowledge of Sunderland players has, has declined as, as, more, as more players have left. Um, I think if you're going to break us down, you're going to need good wing players, good delivery, and you're probably going to need some pace. Um, so the only way you're going to score against us is either through a, a, a long-range wonder goal or, um, or it's going to have to be where you get behind us um, if you plan to play a slow, plodding possession-based game, <laughs> that, that's then you've got, you've got, <laughs> I'd say, um, 
if your analysts have watched the Doncaster game, watched the Lincoln game, watched the whole game, and then watched the Southampton game last night, then you're not going to get much from us unless we make an error. So I think you're going to have to try and force us to make errors. And the only way you're going to do that is by paying, playing at pace and with accuracy. Um, and given I've no idea who plays up front for you anymore, and certainly your players don't come up in the top goal scorers of the, of the division. Charlie Wentz um, doing all right this season, to be fair for okay. once. I think he's got 11, bless him. But yeah, you're going to have to play with some pace and some accuracy um, and be quite... Um, I think it might take some kind of individual skill to break us down. So what that's what you're going to need. You're looking at maybe McGeady there, but there'll be some yeah. fans listening to you saying that. Go, and, and some then play... Um, I'm trying to think of the technical term for pissing about with it on the, the halfway <laughs> line and then eventually realising we're getting beat. Um, so, yeah, that that's a bit of a worry, I guess, because that's pretty much exactly how we do play. We kind of plod along in the middle and do a sweet FA with it and then can't really get a decent ball in the box, um, as have been the last few games. But maybe I'm just feeling sad because of yesterday's game. <laughs> so, um, last but not least, as always, uh, predictions for Saturday's game. I'm going to go first because it's kind of worked out when I've been going first recently. We've been winning games. Uh, but I, I can't see anything other than a 1-1. One, one. I'm just standard. Let's just guess 1-1 one, one and I'm going to be there or thereabouts for something, I think. Yeah, I was. that was funny. I, was, I knew you asked this question and yeah, um, for me, a one-all draw as well. Maybe two-all, but um, yeah, I think both teams you know, will probably struggle to score um, and yet yeah, you for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I think it'll probably be a draw. Um, maybe maybe you take the lead and then we kind of peg you back. Um, but yeah, I um, I don't expect this is going to be a great game for the neutrals. Uh, no. I think it's probably going to be two quite dogged teams um, for, for various reasons. I'm probably happy with a draw. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's getting like that. I think and our home form is horrific, but hopefully that can be proven wrong. And next week's preview part, I sound a little bit happier because I think I certainly sound a lot sadder than I did previously. Um, before I let you go, Ollie, obviously best wishes to Steve Cottrell, obviously former Sunderland assistant manager and, Let's hope he's back in the dugout sooner rather than later and fit and happy and healthy. Um, and hope, hopefully he listens to this. I don't know whether he will, but if he does, please get well soon, Steve. Yeah, I'm sure maybe. he's very busy on White Scout <laughs> looking at um, looking at players. But um, yeah, thanks for the messages. Um, it's been nice, I think. I think hopefully he's got the messages and a lot of football clubs and a lot of fans sending him best wishes. So yeah, fingers crossed he'll be back soon. And yeah, hopefully you guys will be um, yeah, hopefully in a better place soon as well. Sounds like a... An exciting project could be happening with you guys. Uh, well, maybe. We're all, we're all just used to things falling to pieces. But, um, Ollie, thanks for coming on as always. Hopefully, the game's not called off the minute I put this one out. Um, fingers fingers crossed. crossed. But thanks again for popping on.